Why, hello there. This is Coach Anthony, and I just wanted to let you know about a special offer that we have going on for our Prime Elevate program. Our Prime Elevate is going to be our remote training offering that is our lowest price point, and it allows you to jump on board with Prime's programming remotely from wherever you are in the world. And you will have access to our app and Wattify. You'll have access to our workouts, access to our movement library, access to everything that is curated from Coach Tyler Khaleesi as well as myself. So if you're interested in finding your Prime through our Prime Elevate program, click the link in the show notes to get on the early bird list for a little discount in your first month. On to the episode. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> hey. Let's go. Back. I'm at my. I'm at my. I'm at my prime. Whoa. Uh, have I gone too far? And welcome back to another episode of the Find Your Prime podcast. Um, this is, I think, our last one for the month of July. I think next one, next one will be August. So um, last week we discussed um, some prerequisites and some ways that we like to progress and regress movements. Um, well, more like the prerequisites, less on the, you know, progressions and regressions. But today, I think we finished with talking, giving you a little teaser for this week about the deadlift. And we told you to go home and practice touching your toes. Hopefully you did that. And now we can continue on the next progression to finding your deadlift. But before we get there, Tyler, what has happened in your life since last week? And welcome back to another episode of the Find Your Prime podcast. This week and next is going to be a little special as Tyler is sitting right in front of me across the table as he is home for his sister's wedding and we are making the final preparations for that. And we get a chance to actually sit down and talk in person as opposed to on Zoom or our platform Zencaster that we normally do where we're just looking at each other from a screen. Ty, what's up? Not much. It's good to be home. It's a little bit weird doing this podcast in person, but we've it's been like a year since we got to do that. I get to use a fancy mic and the fancy headphones and whatnot, so that's nice. But uh, as far as life, uh, yeah, wedding. My sister's getting married on Saturday, so life is crazy doing all of the wedding preparations and getting this there and, and all these things done. But other than that, looking forward to moving to Vermont. Uh, training has been going amazing. I feel like every week I am like adding a rep to my heavy back squat. We're currently on a, a back squat cycle in the, in the prime programming. So that's been super nice to actually see some progress, pain-free, uh, continuous progress every week. And hoping that, you know, hoping that continues throughout, throughout the rest of the year. So Nice. And I think one of the things that <clears throat> has happened for me and has happened for Tyler too, and probably some other people who stick to the program is for at least for Tyler and I, 
our training ages are, are a little bit up there. I mean, I think I have him by a little bit more, but training age wise, Ty, how old are you? 29. 29. And he started weight training 16? Yeah, just about. So 13 years in, I started training at 16 as well, and I'm 39 this year, so 23 years in. And to still continue to make progress and do certain things is very difficult. You know, as, as a novice, you know, there's something called the novice effect. And early on in your training, it's very easy to make progress. You know, it's very easy for your back squat or your bench press or your ability to do certain movements to increase really rapidly. And as you get going and the longer you train, the harder it is to make progress. So that's why, you know, Tyler noticed and, and I've had a few other folks reach out. It's really cool to see progress even later in the game. And that's, that's just kind of, you know, especially pain-free. And some of that, what we're going to talk about today, is because he's pain-free and how to get out of pain or how to fight back from a potential injury if those things happen. <laughs> All right. So for me, personally, um, we have two, we're almost done with, well, I should say we have two more weeks left of our summer athlete program. And I might as well continue at this point. And we've been doing We've been transitioning, and this is what we, what we do in our adult classes as well. We've been transitioning away from some of the bilateral stuff um, in lieu of some unilateral training. So bilateral would be two legs or two arms, and unilateral is one arm or one leg. And like today, we did a single leg squat. Tomorrow, we have a skater squat, and we're doing these things to make sure our athletes are primed and ready to go for their sport in a couple weeks without having, you know, or being any aches and pains or being beat up to do that. And what's really cool to see is this morning we had athletes come through doing a single leg squat. And they, what I really like about doing something like a single leg squat is that they see right away that they have deficiencies. You know, whether it's right to left or their depth or their ankles or whatever it might be, they can feel it, they can see it, they can, you know, all of the, all of the above they know that their right leg is weaker than their left or vice versa, or something isn't right, you know, and we can, we can do that. And it doesn't have to be like me telling somebody or me being like, Hey, you know, if you got to get stronger here, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get injured. This is like a, almost like you see the light bulb go out and be like, man, my right leg really sucks at these. Like I got to get better. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Because the closer, and I always, then I use that as a teachable moment to be like the, the wider that gap is from right to left, the more risk you are for injury. And what we do with the unilateral training is try to close that gap in the close. And while we may never be truly balanced because we're not balanced by nature, it, we still can get closer to balanced and reduce the risk of injury. I think it's nice to, you know, ha have them expose something like that in a, in a group setting because, you know, as a kid, you, you're told by your parents, your coaches, like, oh, you got to pay attention to this. You got to make sure you do this and that so you don't get hurt or you don't get sick. But we kind of like scoff it off as kids. But if you, you know, unfortunately, you kind of like embarrass them, right? You expose like a weakness in front of other peers. It almost makes them want to want to attack that thing even more, especially when they're doing something like the the performance program to get better at their sport. You know, you, you show them that something is, is deficient and it could prevent them from doing well and having fun in the field or the court you know, that's definitely going to gonna make them want to work harder. And the fact that other people are also struggling with it, 
also I think helps a little bit not to think that they are the only one who struggles with these things. I would say almost every athlete that comes in has some sort of imbalance from right to left while some hide it a little bit better or can cheat it a little bit better. I would say that the age group, I mean, we had 12 ninth graders to going into 10th grade doing single leg squats today. And I would say for the most part, that group, because they're, they're savages and they've been working with me for a while, the majority of them were able to do how we normally do it as a 12 inch depth target. So you stand on a 12 inch box and you touch your butt to a 24 inch box. So you're standing on a higher platform and you touch. We do that to allow the free leg to be free as opposed to trying to get it that super hip flexion like a pistol, which is a whole nother issue when folks try to do pistols is they, they run into deficiencies in the quad or the hip flexor and the, the free leg, not even the weight leg that they're working. And many of them were loading it with a weighted vest or with chains or different things like that. So if you're a freshman or go, going into your sophomore year and you could do uh, eight pist- or eight single leg squats loaded with 30 pounds of chains or vests, I think you're in a pretty good spot to be healthy <laughs> and do, you know, perform at a high level. Yeah, I would, I would say so. I definitely could not do that. I mean, and I was never exposed to that as a high school or college athlete, but I think even now I would struggle with one side versus the other for sure. When we do our adult classes to try to mitigate some of the injuries and the things that happen in maybe like a traditional CrossFit setting or some of the other group fitness settings is we rotate through different cycles of movement. So right now, we, as Tyler was saying, we are doing some back squatting and we are doing some other things in the, in the program. And when we switch in two weeks, we are gonna be going to a box step up. So we'll be going to a box step up to, to do more unilateral work. And we will fluctuate that way to ensure that we're not overworking one pattern and also not opening ourselves up for injury or pain and allows our body to relax in different capacities these kind of like four week, six week blocks, they almost work as like a natural buffer for, for us, um, you know, reducing the time down to four to four weeks or five weeks or six weeks with a specific movement pattern. It allows you to progress. It allows you to get, you know, dialed in with that movement, but kind of switching gears and going to a unilateral exercise or just changing the pattern slightly prevents you from kind of settling too much or settling in too much to that movement pattern. Uh, getting carried away with, with, you know, increasing weight each week to week. I think a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, rather, we were doing a back squat cycle or a front squat cycle, and I was feeling myself as I was, as I am now. And I told Anthony, like, oh, thank God we're, thank God we're getting out of this cycle or this current phase before I kind of get irresponsible or get carried away. And I'm kind of feeling like that might happen now, but I'm, 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 I'm playing with some, some thoughts on, on pushing things a little bit further, but we'll see. Yeah, and each cycle kind of either starts with something, you know, to test out or to finish with something to test out. And next week for our back squat, we're going to be finishing at like a, essentially a two rep max, building up from the day and trying to go from there. So if you were with us the last two episodes, we had talked a lot about prerequisites for particular movements. We did some upper body stuff on on episode number one. In episode number two, we kind of talked about the squat and the deadlift and what, you know, you might need to do those sorts of things safely and effectively. Now, if you don't have those prerequisites and you decide that you still want to deadlift and squat or do pull-ups or push-ups or handstand or overhead work without any of the prerequisites, not the end of the world. But again, like we just said, you could be opening yourself up for potential pain or injury. And I think Tyler had this conversation or he talked about it on his Instagram recently that when you do 
you know, fitness at a, a pretty high level where you're trying to, to, you know, outdo yourself or you're trying to PR or get to your best, or you're just trying to do like fitness in general, where you're trying to be better. There is the likelihood at some point that you are going to be in pain or get injured from something. Um, and it's just kind of the nature of things, no matter how much we mitigate, you know, stresses in our life play a role in how our body feels. And, you know, we might wake up and be like, oh, my back hurts today. I slept wrong. But really, it's just the stress of your life and the compounding fact or nature of you deadlifting when you shouldn't be deadlifting or squatting when you shouldn't be squatting to that depth or, you know, just certain things that they compound over time. It isn't that first squat or that first time your knee rolls in that's going to make your your back hurt or your knee hurt. It's the thousandth time you've done it and your body's stressed and you're tired and you have all these different factors going into it. And it's essentially the straw, the straw that breaks the camel's back. So what do you do? Tyler's a physical therapist by trade. You know, he's also a, a coach, but he, he has a doctorate in physical therapy and um, treats people on all over the country now and now all over the world. <laughs> so we have um, some experience. And, you know, if I... I've asked a couple of people if it would be worth it for me to go back to physical therapy and everyone tells me no. So I do have the knowledge, although my degree is not in uh, physical therapy, <laughs> I could potentially treat if, you know, it wasn't a legal issue. Let's take the test. Yeah. If I took the test, see what happened. Um, but what happens then if you do are in pain or do get injured, what are the next steps? Like what, what happens next? What do I do? Yeah. Tough. That's a, that's a tough, tough thing to unwrap, but we're going to, we're going to say that the, the pain is pretty mellow. You know, it was maybe intense when it first happened, but it cooled off pretty quickly and it's just nagging. It's bothering you. So the first thing I would do is look at your sleep. Um, we can do a million different corrective exercises. We can get manual therapy. We can go see a PT at Cairo. You can get imaging, but you know, really if your recovery is not where it needs to be, then this is either going to not really go away the way you wanted it to in regardless of what you do, or it's going to come back. So the first thing I would do is look at your sleep, look at your recovery. Are you eating enough? Are you sleeping enough? And are you sleeping well enough each night? Get that in order and see if that, you know, makes the pain reduce. It could potentially make it go away. The second thing I was, I would do is take a look at how you've been loading those movements over the course of the last week or month or a few months, right? I saw this quote not too long ago, you know, something along the lines of like, we want to give everyone corrective exercises and, and all these rehabby things to do. But really like a lot of people just have a load management and progression issue. We're progressing too fast or we're increasing weight or load too quickly without um, allowing the body to accommodate. So I would say, look at your sleep and reconsider how quickly you progressed uh, first and foremost, before you get it real fancy with any corrective exercises or rehabby stuff. And I would think I would <clears throat> add to that. I'm sure Tyler would agree is that before you even think about corrective exercises is you kind of have to figure out what's wrong. Yeah, right. Exactly, so yeah. there's some sort of an assessment piece to it. And what I find from a little bit of experience going to a physical therapist and from what I hear from folks who try, who go to traditional physical therapy clinics is that, you know, they have protocols for back pain. You know, they're not necessarily like evaluating you as much as, you know, like I'll give you an example. One of my remote clients, had, she had told me that when she's doing Bulgarian split squats on her left side, 
she feels it in her right QL, which is her right lower back muscles. So if I, you know, in a little bit of anatomy and you have some idea of like, you know, we have some cross things going on Well, there's a lot of different things that could be happening. I know that she runs a lot and I know she has some tight hips. My first inclination is that her left adductors could be causing, you know, some tightness there and create a, like that cross diet, cross, you know, sectional diagonal discomfort in her QL on her other side. You know, if you ever did a suitcase carry, you notice that if I'm carrying the kettlebell or the dumbbell on my left side, you might feel it on your right QL, your right lower back, because your body kind of works in those ways. That's how your QL and your glute medius work on opposing sides to keep your hips level when you're doing a single leg stance. So as she's in a single leg stance, she might be, you know, her left hip may be struggling to keep things level and her right QL is taking over to kind of help that. So just for me, knowing the anatomy and the structure of it, I mean, I, I didn't do a, a, an additional assessment on her, but knowing her history and working with her for a, a long time, I kind of have an idea of what it might look like in some ways that we can attack it without having even to do some things. So obviously at that point, you know, it would be great to get a more definitive answer about what might be causing the pain or discomfort. And that's where if you found a great clinician, somebody who can do a good assessment and understand movement outside of the, the facility, you know, and I know Tyler has talked about this in the past, but one of the best educational platforms he had going into PT school was being a strength coach or a, a CrossFit coach to see movements in their, you know, to see movement, just as I guess, generally in the fitness realm versus just day-to-day movements was, which kind of like physical therapy works at that capacity too, just trying to get people to move and get back to day-to-day function. So I think seeing movements outside that actually cause people pain and discomfort and maybe why those things might cause pain or discomfort and then being able to attack the areas that if we are going to give quote unquote corrective exercises, that they are actually beneficial as opposed to just being stuff that we're just going to throw against the wall and hope something sticks. Yeah. So, you know, getting an assessment is important because it prevents you from kind of shooting from the hip and, and trying to do corrective exercises or this and that for, for all these various things that it could be, right? It kind of reduces you or prevents you from getting overwhelmed. It gives you some direction, gives you a pathway. But I do think there is a point when it's too soon to get an assessment. And, you know, that would be probably within, you know, within the first 24 hours of having an injury, like you probably shouldn't go get checked out right away. And if you do, you should let them know that it happened like yesterday or this morning. So they can know that you're pretty hot. That area is pretty hot. You know, any, any sort of manual therapy or pressure is going to probably bother it pretty good. And it's going to be tough to like make it feel better. Like there's a few things you need to realize when you have an injury. And one of them is you're probably not going to make it feel better that day unless it's something that's been been there for a while. And it wasn't like this one off. Oh, I got injured today. Right. Regardless, when you have pain, it's very hard to make that pain go away that day, partially because what's what Anthony was saying before in that, you know, pain comes from more than just something mechanical, something physical, just because your knee caved in or just because you got a little tweak in your lower back during a back squat doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, massaging that area is going to make it feel better. There's a lot of stressors of life, like I was talking about with sleep making sure that you're well fed, who knows what happened with your brother or your mother or your sister the day before, like there's a lot that plays into it. So when you have an injury, take a step back, find someone who can help you get some direction, get an assessment, get get looked at in some way, 
take a look at the other areas of your life. Make sure that your sleep is on point or getting to that direction. Make sure that you're staying hydrated and well-fed. And then in terms of movement, right, you're going to want to find the most comfortable or the most pain-free or successful areas that you can move for in right now so that you can you can still get your body moving without kind of aggravating things uh, while, while things are cooling off. What do you, what do you think Ant, about, you know, how, how do we, how do we get back into the gym, right? Like I'm injured. Let's, let's say lower back. Cause it's pretty common. We can go lower back or shoulder. It's going to be kind of the same in the beginning. This blank hurts. I want to work out tomorrow and I got hurt yesterday. So it's been 48 hours. What's the deal? Yeah. Like Tyler was saying, like a lot of times, we can we might be be able to get some relief, but it's not going to go away, right? Necessarily. And I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when people feel tightness or discomfort in a movement, they jump on a foam roller like it's going to magically like fix it in between sets or things like that. I think it's one of my biggest pet peeves in the gym right now, you know. But at the same time, I don't want to go up to somebody and be like, "Dude, just stop foam rolling and fix your movement pattern or change the movement." Right? This is what you would do: is essentially change the movement so it's not painful. You know, if you're, if it says that you're supposed to squat and going to depth, like I think we talked about it with the squat, going full depth makes it hurt, put a box there and shorten the range of motion so it's not painful. Or if we're deadlifting and hinging from your hips hurts, but squatting doesn't, then maybe you squat today and maybe you just squat at a different load. Like Tyler was, <clears throat> Tyler was talking about load management and adjusting the movement so that you can move pain-free while you're healing. So we still want to exercise. We still want you to move your body because blood flow and all that kind of stuff also helps. And also exercise, if it's a stress reliever for you, then it's also going to reduce your stress levels overall. But at the same time, we want to move and stay away from continuing to irritate the area that is in pain. And I think this is where people don't do that. They're like, oh, I'll just move through it and I'll just, I'm going to walk it off, you know, kind of like kind of mentality. I'm going to keep squatting, just I'm going to go lighter. And it still kind of hurts, you know, instead of just changing the movement pattern a little bit to make it feel like there's no pain at all. And then we can build up in some progressions and lateralizations into your program. You know, this is where, you know, if you do have pain or discomfort, having an individualized or a personalized coach could both one prevent these things from happening because we kind of know you and know things that you have limitations on. So we're not going to program them for you, obviously, if they're going to beat you up or we're going to progress you properly to be able to handle those. Or in two, if you do something off the rails, you know, if you're getting a little aggressive, like Tyler's talking about his back squat, you're like, yeah, I was feeling good today. I went pretty hard <laughs> and you get hurt. Then we can also adjust the program for you to make it work for you on the back end. So we can do both things. We can be preventative as well as be on a treatment side of it where we can fix the things after the fact. So when you, if you're doing it on your own and you're trying to navigate through this you know, massive information that's out on social media or when you Google things and you think you're dying and all this stuff's happening and you're in a hurry to get an MRI and x-ray, run to the chiropractor, run to this person, that person, just take a step back and change the movement patterns. And if you're in a group class, like at prime, talk to the coach. I think communication's huge. Like if you don't, a lot of times people will be like, Oh, I hurt my back three weeks ago. And I was like, did you tell anybody? <laughs> no, I just thought it would go away. No, I mean, pain, you know, I, I forget who he might know who the quote is from, but pain is a sign of, for change or a signal for change. I know, you know, Perry Nicholson always used to post that, but pain is a signal for change. So if you're in pain, we have to change something. And if you don't know how to change it yourself, there's a coach in front of you, at least here, or a coach, if you have a remote one or somebody there to who you can talk to who can make the changes for you if you don't know how to do it on your own.
I can almost guarantee that anyone listening to this, anyone even at Prime, like the reason you're fitnessing is not for anything that's dire, like competitive. You're not getting paid for a sport or getting paid to compete in something. So like continuing to work out while you are creating a, a significant pain level day after day or week after week is just not worth it. Like it's not, it may seem it, but it's not. And it's more worth it for your health to stop doing whatever you're doing. I would honestly rather someone not come to the gym at all and not do my program and just walk every day than, you know, try to push through working out if they were in pain because it's just not like beneficial for your health. It may be quote unquote making you stronger or more fit, but you have to think about the additional stress and hormonal changes that are happening because you're stressed from being in pain. So you know, I think the big theme here is like just taking a step back and like looking at the big picture when you have a tweak or a, a, an injury or an ache and realize, first of all, it's not a, it's not that big of a deal. You're probably not going to die and Google's wrong. Second, find someone you know and trust, ask them for a little bit of guidance, but realize that, you know, they may or may not give you a ton of crap to do. And you're probably not going to be able to do all of that the first day or the first week and keep it simple. Like I, I use this quote with, with clients and patients alike, you know, if you put too much in the soup, you're not going to know what made it taste good or bad. So when something goes wrong, if you have an ache and pain, modify a couple things in your training, add one or two corrective exercises, fix one thing in your lifestyle and just wait, tell someone what you're doing, let them help you and just wait, ride it out, see what happens and then make adjustments after that. Yeah. And Jamie free. One of my buddies who's 27 nutrition, we had a podcast episode with him a long time ago. It might be in the 20 somewhere, but he had talked about not making wholesale changes to your lifestyle, talking about nutrition and lifestyle to, to see like what Tyler is saying, to see what works and what doesn't work. And rehab is very similar to cooking, right? So, or nutrition or any of that kind of stuff. We don't always know a hundred, not every patient or client or whatever we want to call, you know, the people we work with not everybody responds the same way to all the same protocols. You know, we have an idea of like, if you're in back pain, like these couple things could work, but we can't throw the kitchen sink at it because then if something did work, we don't know what it was. Right. We got to do one thing at a time and see if it worked. And if it didn't work, we'll try something else. And if it did work, we'll continue to do that and progress in that fashion. And I think that's an important part of it. And one thing that I used to preach, and I still preach it with my athletes all the time is that health precedes performance. Like you can't perform at a high level if you're always playing defense with your central nervous system. So if your central nervous system is always on call and always has like the red flag up, like caution and, and things that are going on, then it's going to be very hard for you to perform at a high level. And like Tyler's saying, and myself included, like I tried a front squat on a, I jumped into Saturday's CrossFit class on Saturdays. We do kind of CrossFit. We just, it's a smorgasbord of Saturdays. Um, it's just one class and we do it and we, we had to build up to a challenging single for the front squat. I would never two years ago, even attempt 300 pounds. 275 was my painful one rep max for like five years. And I hit 285 pretty comfortably. And I was like, ah, I'm feeling good. Let's try 300. And I got halfway up and I didn't get it, but I would never even think to attempt it. And as a, you know, almost 39 year old, I, am relatively, I'm more pain-free now than I have been in my life. And it shows in my performance being able to, I can easily grab rim, which I'd not usually can be able to do um, historically. Like I can sometimes, you know, depending on the day and how I felt. And my front squat has never been consistently high. 
and squatting in general always would call me, cause me hip discomfort, which would in turn cause me back discomfort. And over time, you know, we didn't always address those things or things I would address them, but then I'd go back to doing the thing too fast. And I'd be like, oh, I feel pretty good. I did some back rehab or hip rehab stuff mostly um, to make my back feel better. And then the next week I would go back to back squatting, the thing that would irritate it. Mike Boyle calls it like slamming your hand in the car door. <laughs> so you would slam your hand in the car door and then you'd be like, take a week off and it'd heal. And they'd be like, oh, I'm going to go slam my hand in the car door again and see if it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it's still going to do the same thing, right? So every time you slam your hand in the car door, it's not going to not hurt. It's not yeah. going to break some fingers maybe or do something bad. Uh, it's just going to continue that cycle. Whether you're, you know, an at, if you're at Prime, if you're a current member of Prime and you're an in-person member or you have a remote coach um, or, you know, you're not at Prime at all, like make sure that you are making someone else aware of what's going on so that they can kind of keep you in line a little bit like this podcast you might need someone to say like hey man you know, maybe you shouldn't yeah you know it's only been three days or it's only been seven days you know so the, I, I guess my last piece of advice is when you do have something happen you tweak something or you have an ache or a pain there are a lot of times when it's going to take much longer than you think it, it may take three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. Like Anthony was saying, when you're in pain, when you're in low back pain from when you were playing college ball, it's gonna take three years for you to get out of that, potentially. And I tell my clients, you can expect maybe half the time that you've been in this discomfort for you to get out of it. Now, if it was a one-off thing, you tweaked your back during some, some workout, it may not take that long. But if this is something you've been dealing with, like you can expect quite the journey. And that, that, that's me basically saying, like, don't rush it. Take your time, learn from the changes you make, keep making more changes. You know, like he said, he's been training for close to what, 20 years? 20, 23 years. 23 years, don't forget the three. Yeah. And you know, he's still learning, not only about training in, in general, but himself. And he's probably made the most progress he's had in, in his movement health, how he feels in the last two or three years because he's still learning and he's applying it month by month. He's learning from how it felt, how his members feel, and he's changing it. And he's a professional, right? We're, we're, we're professionals, and we're still having to take 6, 12, 18 months to see how something works before we really you know, make additional changes. So that's the first step you're going to take in the first kind of switch of your mindset and then maybe move around the pain or discomfort with some alternative mo movements or maybe just back off from trying to exercise if you're you can't leave your quote-unquote ego at the door and you're like oh i got it everyone's deadlifting heavy say i got it i just got a deadlift <laughs> you know things like that so if you can't do that then i would just like tyler suggested just don't even go to the gym if you can and you have like the mindset to be like hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take it easy i'm gonna move i'm gonna change my movements up a little bit so i'm not in pain then go for it and then from there after if you've gotten assessed or different things like that then you want to start adding the movement back at a much lower percentage. Maybe if that's a, we're saying back pain and we're saying deadlifting, you want to raise the, the ground, right? So you want to have deadlift off some blocks or some platforms to make the hinge less deep, right? Less of a range of motion. And then you want to go at a much lighter load at some tempo. So you can work on control, work on stability, and then work on that range of motion. And then gradually over the next four, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, you continue to add load and only, you know, once you, you can have certain benchmarks depending on what load you had before, you know, we can go, Hey, when I could do 50% of my old 
deadlift, you know, for 10 pain-free reps at this height, let's say we're using a 45 pound plate, and then I'm gonna go down to a 25 pound plate and then try to do 50% up to 10 reps and then go to the floor and then go 50% and then increase the load, but then make, go back to the height. And maybe go 75% and then go back off the 45 pound plate and do that until you can do that 10 reps pain-free and then go down to the 25 and then go do that 10 reps so you're pain-free and then down to the floor. And now you're at 75% of your backs, your deadlift pain-free. Now that mu- that progression right there may have taken you 12 weeks, Oof. 16 weeks, you know, but it's going to take time. So, you know, that's what I, we want you to understand is that we have to pro- gradually progress. Like I can't be like, oh, I rehab. I went to PT for a couple of weeks. I rehabbed. I took it off from the gym. And the day that comes back, it's deadlift. It's a heavy deadlift. And you go for it. Send it. You send it. I'm feeling great, coach. I'm feeling it. All right. And you send it. And then tomorrow, guess what happens? You wake up with back pain again. Maybe it didn't get solved. Maybe it's not like nothing was, was fixed. But you just slightly, you tipped the scales a little too much. So, you know, got to take your time. Yeah. So take your time. And that's how you're going to find your prime. Until next time, we'll be back in action in person to see you. Not see you, actually, probably, because we uh, over the microphones. But to talk to you. You were rhyming there for a minute. I was. Yeah. Take I could time, just start prime. rapping. See you next time. Start beatboxing. You could rap. You were the, you were the boy band. You jumbled Bonanza. it. Here we go. Boy band. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know, now you know. Tyler was in a boy band in college band. years. You can't have... We didn't, we, we didn't, we were not a boy band. You were a boy band. You had, he had like the highlights and the long hair and he had like overalls and stuff like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I danced just as good <laughs> as JT. When he was in the Mickey Mouse Club. And that's it, folks. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Find Your Prime podcast. As usual, we would love to hear your comments and feedback. Give us some five-star reviews to help us help more people find their prime. If you want to get in touch with Tyler or myself, remember the best way to do that would be on Instagram. Mine is at a Mercurio, M-U-C-U-R-I-O. And Tyler's is at TylerKalasi.bpt. Till next time. Hey, hey, I'm at my prime. Whoa. Said I'm at my prime.